This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, you're listening to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. Yet another debrief after a defeat for the Reds, this time at the hands of league leaders Arsenal. Theo Squires and David Lynch are both with me. We'll touch on some positives later on, but Theo, we'll start with the obvious. Eight Premier League games played, six of those Liverpool have dropped points in. And of course, in the league at least, it's Manchester City up next. So it could be an interesting week for Liverpool. Um been quite diplomatic with that, haven't you? It's been painful recently and it just feels it's getting I'll worse leave the two and worse. To you. <laughs> yeah, Man City, like Liverpool in current form will ship four against them and get absolutely battered. Four? Like, need to find... That's ambitious. <laughs> you reckon it'll be like five, six? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a painful week. You're hoping for some sort of reaction against Rangers on Wednesday night. But even then, as we saw last week, that's not going to be the answer because we thought, oh, they might have found a formation that could do a job against Arsenal. And they were just so sluggish, slow and poor defensively. We'll get to the positives in a bit, which will be three quarters of the front four. But yeah, it's just like this was supposed to be a chance for Liverpool to send out a statement performance against Arsenal to say we're back. We're not going to be in title contention this year. We're too far off, but we are real business in terms of getting to the top four. We've had our blip. We can recover. And now mid-October, you're thinking, just get us to the World Cup. Let get them to Dubai. Let them have their warm weather training camp and regroup again. But that's what the international break was supposed to be. They've chance for them to regroup. It's just when it rains, it pours. Injuries come in, players staying out of form. Uh, it, it wasn't a pretty watch against Arsenal, as I'm sure we're going to go into into deeper detail now. Yeah, absolutely. So many sort of different elements that we could start with. I think I said on on Friday's podcast, Lynchy, that if Liverpool were to get beat, I then probably would start to get a little bit worried about the top four and how things are shaping up there, not least because Arsenal looks so good at this moment in time. I mean, it is early in the season, only eight games played. Liverpool do have a game in hand on Arsenal and I think on Manchester City as well. But the way it's playing, it doesn't matter how many games in hand they've got. It doesn't look like they're going to get many points in those matches. Yeah, and that, that one game in hand as well is is Chelsea away, isn't it? Uh, the, the one that got pushed back, which is not a game that you think would, you'd, you'd say was a guaranteed three points to Liverpool because they've they started to show some some sort of improvement under Graham Potter as well. So, you know, if things sort of start tracking upwards for them, then then that's going to be an even more difficult fixture. So, yeah, I, I think top four is in serious risk. I think there's 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 too many sides around Liverpool who look like they've improved. I think you know, I think you know, not just Arsenal who, who obviously you know, at the moment look comfortable in terms of getting there. I, I'm sure they will have a blip at some point. I think, you know, there, there are still flaws in that team. I think it's still, they're still quite a young team um, and, 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 you know, to, to challenge City and be up at that level consistently for, for an entire season is very, it's going to be very difficult for them, particularly as well if they get injuries in certain positions. I'm not sure the depth is there and, and, and the experience to match that. But I think they'll very much be, you know, strong, strong contenders for a top four finish. And then, you know, you, you say that Manchester City are then nailed on and, and you start looking beyond that. If Chelsea, you know, the amount of money that the squad they've got, the, the fact they've got a new manager in and, and, and things will be feeling more positive there. And then you're looking at one more spot. And, and although Tottenham have had a lot of criticism this season, they still look a far better drilled side than Liverpool do at the moment. They look more capable of grinding out results, even if it's ugly. And, and that's something you can't say about Liverpool. And then you've run out of, um, you know, you've run out of all four spots then when you consider those teams and, and it looks, yeah, it's going to take a huge turnaround. And, and, and the problem, the biggest problem, I think, is that 
you know, in, in previous seasons where Liverpool have struggled. I think back to the, the, the centre-back injury crisis they had a couple of seasons ago. Um, it was really obvious what the issue was um, and what the solution would be um, this time around. The, you know, there aren't really any major injuries there anymore, or, you know, bar possibly the two they picked up last night. I think, you know, who you're looking at that could come back and fix this, I don't think anyone. I think that the problems are far deeper than that and a change of formation hasn't fixed it either. So, you know, yeah, I think, I think top four is a massive, you know, massively, it looks ambitious at the moment. I, I just, unless there's a huge recovery comes from somewhere and something clicks or they work out exactly what's going wrong, then yeah, there's there's no chance of a bull getting in that position. And then that obviously has some serious long-term impacts as well for a club that, you know, doesn't exactly throw money around anyway. Uh, to lose that income would be would be a huge blow. And, and, and you go from looking at where Liverpool were last season, which was challenging for a quadruple, it built up massively under Jürgen Klopp from nowhere to become, you know, a, a giant of European football again, to probably almost straight back to square one. It, it, it's just baffling and it, and it speaks to me to some complacency. I know we'll probably go into the wider issues uh, as, as we go on, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a shocking state of affairs really from where Liverpool were last season. Yeah, plenty to, to think about, plenty to do really for, for Liverpool over the course of the next few weeks. And it's got to come pretty quickly. Like you say, you're already quite a long way behind. You don't want to be any further away. But I think they are one of the biggest frustrations for me just watching the game yesterday was some of the things that they're doing are just really, really obvious and, and should be fairly simple to fix. You think of the second goal, for example, they had a period there of what, 25, 30 minutes of maybe not quite dominance, but certainly they were you know, well on top in that game. And then suddenly a stupid free kick goes wrong. They've only got two players back. It's a three versus four. Martin Odegaard, I think, makes it five on three at one stage. Liverpool just can't get back quickly enough. It's it's things like that that you just look at and think that's that, that's not a case of, of a lack of intensity that we'll come to. It's, it's not a case of a formation. It's just a case of, of doing really simple things wrong. And when you add those up, it, it can very quickly, as it has done, go very, very wrong. And the biggest insult in that second goal was it was Gabriel leading the Arsenal line, the centre-back, whereas the Liverpool centre-backs were nowhere in sight as they, they weren't really sprinting back to make up numbers. All the goals Liverpool conceded were their own fault one way or another, whether it's Trent marching over and effectively taking Henderson out, leaving a couple of men free at the centre. So Semikas has three men at the far post. One of them is going to get a tap in. Or the first one, where again it's a simple pass behind. Teams are just getting in behind Liverpool far too easily. And the penalty, we can say it's a soft penalty all we like, but how many times did they just hack it and just give it straight back to Arsenal on the edge of the box before they finally got it out, only to find out the penalty had already been given? It's just embarrassing defending to watch. It was amateurish. And when it comes from Liverpool attacks, it's like, what on earth is going on? It's like we are watching. Liverpool lose to the Liverpool side clock built two, three years ago, getting done on the counter so easily with that pace. Like This is what we used to see Salah and Mane doing against Arsenal, what Martinelli was doing. We know he's a great player. Klopp's a massive fan. He'd love to have him in his Liverpool side. You just know what he's going to do. So it's the last minute of the half and you've got a free kick. Just leave one of your centre-backs back. Leave an extra man back. Just get in at half-time. You've done well to recover from losing a goal in the opening minute. They're just their own worst enemies at the moment. And it's painful to watch. They're so slow and sluggish. There's no pressing from them. They've lost that intensity. But that was one of Arsenal's great strengths against them. They were pressing them so hard, forcing them to make mistakes that were then leading to these Arsenal counter-attacks. And every time they ran at Liverpool defence, got in behind, they looked like they were going to score. Uh, it's just Liverpool lost their identity. And ironically, this was against a side that played how Liverpool built their success in the first few years. 
I think the intensity, Lynch, is a, a really important point to it. It's one of those things that you can't really fix. It, it's not it's not something that Liverpool can suddenly just turn on. It, it's kind of started in a way that makes you think, well, they're just going to have to stick with this. This is it's just how it's going to be this season. That's it. There's no fix for that. Is that I mean, clearly there's some issue there in terms of why they can't hit that level of intensity and why that's not happening repeatedly. You know, do, I asked a question to Jurgen Klopp in his press conference before this game actually about, you know, do you think that's a physical issue? And he sort of skirted around it really and, and made out it was a confidence problem. You know, the, the problem is that, you know, if someone steps up and someone doesn't go with them, it's, that's why Liverpool is so easily played through. But I, I, I just, these constant slow starts and this inability inability to sort of win second balls, it, it's just been happening all season. And I, surely that is a physical issue. I, I, I can't believe that there's not some sort of shortcoming there in terms of the physical intensity of these players. Now, is that because of a shorter pre-season? Did, you know, is, did, did Liverpool not prepare themselves well enough for this season? Did they not have the time to do that? And if so, how do you fix it mid-season? I'm not sure how, unless you get to the World Cup break and hope that completely resets things and have a mini pre-season then with the players who don't go. Or is it sort of a, a bigger problem than that? Is it, you know, is it a problem that, that speaks to the idea of these players having gone too far with this manager, having, you know, not, you know, not refreshed this side enough um, in recent years? You know, that that that's something that Liverpool maybe have to consider if this is going to continue throughout the entire season. You know, I, I thought... It's kind of interesting, actually, in Klopp's Sunday quotes. He spoke about um, this, the seven-year problem that he's got. He's had at Mainz and Dortmund. And I thought um, it was kind of interesting that he said, you know, at Mainz, it was just it just felt like it had come to the end. But he said at Dortmund, one of the biggest problems he had was that players kept getting picked away from him and they kept, like, they kept having to replace key players and that, that became really exhausting to do it. That was the word he used. It was exhausting to do it. Obviously, he doesn't have that problem at Liverpool. He can retain the best players. We saw that this summer with Mohamed Salah signing a new contract. But maybe that, that sort of creates a new problem that he hasn't really considered is that he's maybe showing players uh, loyalty for too long because they're not getting picked off he's not refreshing the side naturally and you're not having that evolution happening what you what you're ending up with is is sticking with players in this really intense style of play for longer than you maybe should be doing and therefore you ended up with a, a season like this where the players and it's so many of them it's not just one player it's so many players just look like they're, they're, they can't get there they haven't got the legs they're losing the legs on Liverpool's time now and you know that's supposition from the outside, but he, you just you just see it happening so frequently that I wonder whether that is starting to be the problem. And and if that is the case, then a seriously large refresh of this squad needs to happen in the summer. And doing that then without Champions League money is you know Liverpool already don't spend a lot, so that you know you're very concerned that enough will be done to get this team back up to challenging again. And it's yeah, like I said earlier, it, it does just feel like you're at square one again. Is trying to beat teams who spend more money than you with Europa League money. It's going to, oh, well, maybe even Conference League money, who knows? It's going to be really, really difficult. And I think that's something Liverpool will have to really sit down and have a think about because I think this this goes far deeper than just, you know, the changes of formation we're seeing or anything like that or, or one player being slightly out of form. It's a, it's a collective issue and, and, yeah, the reasons behind that they need to have a big think about. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, and like we say, it's it's going to be you know they've they've got enough time to think about it, but at the same time, it could be could be quite painful between now and then. And 
I suppose that the other big issue that we've not really touched upon so far, I mean, we have done plenty of times on the podcast, Theo, is it's 10 in 12 now where Liverpool have conceded the first goal in the Premier League. One of the ones that they didn't concede the first goal was a goalless draw, so they didn't even score the first one in that one. The other one was Bournemouth, which was 9-0, which almost doesn't count. They were one of the worst teams I've ever seen in the Premier League game uh, at Anfield. But it, it, it does keep happening. It is a pattern. I don't think it can be concentration because they're obviously aware of it. They they know that it keeps happening, but I just don't know quite how that's got to that stage. What what can it possibly be? They 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 can't be unaware that this is a thing, and yet every single game it just seems to happen again and again and again. Well, they had used to have this great mentality, uh, never say die attitude, but such great belief in themselves, and now that's just gone completely. So. Like there's this fear in the back of the heads that we're going to concede the first goal here and struggle, and then it's happening too early, time and time again. Like the two times we've seen them look a little bit confident this season, with Bournemouth and then Rangers, they got early goals in both those games, so they could relax a little bit and they were let off the leash. They could play how they wanted to play to an extent, but then they concede early on, and then you're playing catch up, and it's just strange. Like if they put in a bit more fight against Arsenal, you could stomach losing 3-2 to the runaway league leaders playing well, scored a couple of goals, you fought your way back and then it's a dodgy penalty. But it's just the overall um, application of the performance. I, against Brighton, they were 2-0 down. They never looked like they were going to get back that back to 2 all, and they somehow did. They went 3-2 up and it never looked like they were going to hold on to that lead. And then when Brighton equalised, it never looked like they were going to get a late win of themselves. Against Arsenal, it never looked like they were going to equalise at any point. Yet they still find a way to get the goals. And then it never looks like they're going to get the late equaliser that they need after Saka's penalty or that they'll go into the lead at any point. They're just lacking that little bit of belief. But then it's very simplistic to say all this. Like These are players that want every major honour going. Like Just because they're not used to losing shouldn't mean it makes them so fragile when they are in this sticky situation. It's like a lot of questions need to be asked. They need to have a look, long, hard look at themselves and Klopp has to find a way to get the answers out of them. But It's just so strange to see this transition from them when like Mohamed Salah's contract is built on him scoring all these goals and assists and bringing um, success to Liverpool. It's like, where's the success coming from now? Virgil van Dijk looks a pale imitation of what he used to be. Trent as well, Fabinho. You can just list so many players here. It's not as though losing Sadio Mane has completely changed how the team play. For some reason, they've just fallen apart. They've gone off the cliff. The signs were there after the FA Cup semi-final last year. I think that's when this run started, wasn't it? When they were conceding goals early on, but they still had the momentum. They still had the adrenaline rush. They were still finding a way to win games. But now, whatever reason, after the summer, it's left them completely and they look a mess. I think, just to come in on that, actually, I think, particularly on the first goal as well, and it sort of feeds into what I was speaking about, about the idea of this this team maybe having gone too far. I thought on the first goal, Liverpool's midfield look, looked old. Um, you, you, the, the loss of the ball, the turnover of the ball, the, every time that sort of happens, and it's happening quite frequently this season, you never feel like the midfielder's going to get back on, on goal side of the ball every time there's a turnover. Now, that can't happen because turnovers are going to happen in football. You're not going to you're not going to play the perfect pass every time. You can't always be perfect in your protection. So sometimes someone's going to nick the ball off you, and you've got to just try and get at least alongside them, put pressure on the ball. But once once the ball was lost, you almost knew Arsenal had scored straight away. 
and and that that to me just look it just looked massively like a legs issue, and it, it it's a goal a, a type of goal that we've seen Liverpool concede a lot this season is is giving the ball away in midfield and then not being able to get back in any sort of shape, and because the back four obviously is, is then exposed massively, they start panicking, making mad decisions like we saw from Trent for one of the goals as well uh, yesterday. His head's absolutely chocker clearly with what's going on in the debate around him, so it's it's all feeding into each other. But I do I do think if there was you know. If there was one particular area where Liverpool have, have, have massively got it wrong in terms of where they needed to refresh and they needed to add bodies, it's the midfield. And I know it's been a massive debate this season, but it's it's an area that seems to be getting exposed time and time again and is having a, a knock-on effect both on the attack in terms of giving them enough ball to, to score goals and also protecting that defence and making someone, you know, we're getting to a point where someone like Virgil van Dijk, we know is a high-quality player, we know how good he is, is, is being made to look daft on a regular basis. And that, for me, Surely there's something going on in front of him that isn't right there. Yeah, they all just look so slow, don't they? Like, if you, yeah, on a video game or something, you want team that is you build it with quick players. If it's on like ultimate team on FIFA football manager, you look at the pace, and and that's simplistic to say it's something you can laugh at. But there is no pace in this Liverpool team at the moment, apart from Luis Diaz, and now you could lose him for however many weeks or whatever. If this is a serious injury he's picked up, but you look at the midfield, Henderson was never rapid. Fabinho's never been rapid. Thiago's never been rapid. You've got Milner there as well. It's like, at least they could press to a point. They could win the ball back. They had that energy and that seems to have deserted them too. And you're looking at it, you're looking at clips from like Oxlade-Chamberlain when he first came through or Naby Keita. It's like, well, at least they could move a bit. Are we really in this desperate situation now when we hope Oxlade-Chamberlain comes back from his injury and still can actually run? He's still got a bit of pace about him and he can change it up. And it's like, you say, oh, Jude Bellingham. If Liverpool signed him, that's a bit of pace in midfield. That's someone who can press, do what they want to do. But now they're completely sacrificing getting him by being so poor that they might not get in the Champions League, have the funds to compete for such a deal, having put all the eggs in the Bellingham basket seemingly last summer anyway. Like, if you don't have that pace, you're going to be second best. You're going to be chasing shadows. You're not going to get to the ball first. And when you're playing at teams are high on confidence, They've got the momentum. Like Arsenal, they've got a lot of quick players that were trickery that will cause you problems. You're never going to win that race. That's what we saw at the Emirates. Let's talk a little bit about the, the formation as well, Lynchy. I mean, it, it definitely worked against Rangers. Obviously, the, the caveat being the, the quality of the opposition. I thought to a certain point it did work against Arsenal. There were moments where it did seem to, to look a, a bit better. But obviously, Theo there mentions the, the Luis Diaz injury. Trent as well. We don't know the extent of, of both of those, but Diaz in particular, in terms of the formation, it, it doesn't really feel to me, if he is going to be out for a sustained period, that Liverpool can go with a front four because they're only going to have four players to, to play in those positions. I know you've got Cavalio and, and Elliot perhaps, but it, it doesn't quite feel like they've got enough players in, in that position either. And of course, obviously, you've got one less in midfield, but you're just kind of passing that problem to a different position. That's it. I think uh, it shows up really that the move to forty-two-three-one was 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 a desperate move. Really, it was a you know a, a sort of Jurgen Klopp sort of pulling levers, seeing what worked because you know th this squad is not built for that. Uh, you know, you've got one injury in that position now in the forward line, and, and like you say, you're just down to four options, and you know you, you're at the whim then if, if if even one of them's off form, that whole thing sort of falls apart, doesn't it? So it doesn't really work. Um, and if you get another injury, then you you know. You're throwing in a kid and asking them to save Liverpool's season, and that's you know completely not fair on them to do that. So, yeah, I don't I don't think it's something Liverpool can do going forward. And I, you know, I'd also say that 
you know, there was so much talk, wasn't there, after the Rangers game of, oh, Jurgen Klopp's, you know, an idiot if he if he goes back to four three three against Arsenal. You know, this has solved all our problems. And then that was, within one minute, was exposed. It was complete nonsense. So I don't think Klopp should be reluctant to go back to the four three three on the basis that four two three one works against Rangers. And there the were some positives still against Arsenal in terms of it. Because he didn't give Liverpool any more structure in terms of defense, defensively, which was the whole idea anyway. That was, you know, Liverpool weren't struggling to score goals against Brighton, were they? That prompted this change, and then the, you know, and they continued to score. So it's the, the whole reason behind it was to to provide some solidity and, and and make it easier off the ball, and and that just hasn't happened at all. So, you know, ultimately, squads built for four three three. You may as well go back to it now. Hope that you know adding back in a central midfielder just makes something click, or these players remember what they're about, or something like that. I don't know, um, but yeah, the, I, I, this the, you can't persist with this four-two-three-one now, and and not really have game-changing options off the bench because that 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 will kill Liverpool. I think, and obviously Manchester City are coming up, and I think a four-two-three-one against them that that hasn't really been worked on massively. You know, it, it will be hugely risky. I think I think go with what you know, and even if it doesn't work, then well. You know, I, I just don't think the formation comes into it. There are bigger issues than that. Just you, your best chance, surely, is to stick with what you know, what you've worn everything in recent years with, and, and, and just hope something finally clicks. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's talk about a couple of positives then before we move on to, to Rangers. I think there's there's two players I'm going to pick out. Feel free to think of any more and, and throw them in as well. But uh, Darwin Nunez first, Theo. Talk about him. Obviously scored a goal, looked pretty lively, was on the last shoulder and, and caused a few problems. Again, he was one of those that we thought was a bit of a positive, really, against Rangers. Obviously didn't score, but got into the positions. But again, looked, looked pretty decent for, for Liverpool at the weekend. Yeah, he did. He... Um linked up well with his fellow forwards. There does seem to be this uh, growing connection between him and Diaz, for example. And he's like he's good with the ball at his feet. He's just a bit of a heavy touch sometimes. But he was causing problems for this Arsenal defence and he's made Gabriel look quite shaky, if we're being honest. He's got his goal. It was well-deserved. Um, he was unlucky not to score, I think, earlier on when he just shot and it was a, a thunderous effort straight at Ramsdale at the near post. Probably should have looked to cut it back, but this is just a striker wanting to end that goal-scoring drought to get a couple there. So hopefully getting this goal now makes him fit in a bit more. You'd say you're going to have to start him against City or Rangers because at least, you know, chaos is going to happen. He's going to cause a team problems. But you need to get him the ball. You need to give him some service because, well, Liverpool in the first half, are between the two Arsenal goals, they looked reasonable. They were creating chances. They were seemingly in control. The second half, they, that just didn't happen as soon as Diaz went off, really. And it was partly from Nunes not getting the ball at all. He can't cause teams problems if he's not on the ball, if he's not running the channels. And uh, he was just so isolated in that second half. Um, I think I said on the podcast last week, there wouldn't be so much being said about him if Haaland wasn't scoring as many goals as he was at Man City. Uh, he is just a striker, a young striker who doesn't speak the language yet. He's adjusting to his new surrounding. He's got a few goals. It takes time. It took him time in Spain. It took him time in Portugal. But I know he doesn't really understand English. I just wish he could read the line better because it was very frustrating seeing him going offside time and time again yesterday. That was like the one negative for me there because we could have got in a few more times. But there are enough positives there for him to take it as an encouraging sign. But at the same time, the fact that we're clutching to this straw after a 3-2 defeat to Arsenal where they've not played well, it just shows how the season's going. 
yeah, every every single one of those offsides as well. He looked at the linesman as if to say, "What? That wasn't offside." And then you saw a replay. Miles off. Ten yards gone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, certainly something for him to work on. But a starting point at least. The uh, the other positive Lynch in at risk of turning a positive into a negative. Roberto Firmino keeps scoring goals. I'm not quite convinced in terms of his defensive output. It, it kind of feels to me a little bit like he's the reverse of the Roberto Firmino that we kind of knew before, where he's scoring all the goals now and looks really clinical, but the other side of his game hasn't maybe been quite as as good and, and has maybe lost a little bit of pace and, and sharpness. But let's try and, and stick to the positives a little bit. The goal was, was really excellently taken, and I think I'm right in saying he's already scored more this season than what he did last. Right, well, yeah, he's, yeah, he has been impressive in front of goal. Just, you know, you almost didn't sort of expect him to take that as confidently as he did because, you know, throughout his Liverpool career, not generally been that deadly in front of goal. So it was a really, really good finish. And, you know, we can talk about his, his build-up play and, and, and maybe there has been some drop-off in terms of that. I'd, I'd agree with that probably, but it's, you know, goals are massively important in games, aren't they? And if Liverpool can just sort of somehow shore things up to have to have Roberto Firmino as a basically guaranteed source of goals at the moment will be, a, you know, a major positive. And I think, you know, if he can strike up any sort of partnership with Nunez or something like that, that would be very helpful as well. Because I think, you know, one of the things I noticed, one of the rare times where Nunez did stay on side yesterday was that Jota had the ball. And didn't didn't slip him in. There was a really clear opportunity for for him to do that, and he he, he spread the ball out to the right hand side instead. And Nunez would have effectively been on a goal. I still think even though Roberto Firmino's link up play isn't maybe not quite what it was, he would have made the right decision in that situation. And I think you know you could try and get the most out of that, and then that would get even more out of Nunez hopefully because I think Roberto Firmino is, is the ideal player to play those little passes in behind. And Nunez, you know, we we saw that it, when he times his run. His, his pace and his power means that he's basically in on goal if he gets it right. So, yeah, it is a positive from Firmino and, and, and hopefully can keep that goal-scoring form up. And, and, and like I say, if things can sort themselves out behind him, then you know maybe that link-up play will matter a little bit less and he can just be getting goals that actually win Liverpool games rather than you know goals and defeats or, or, or disappointing draws. Yeah, Theo's dug out the, the stats for us. Do you want to talk us through them, Theo? I, I don't want to uh, steal your thunder after you've done the research. <laughs> So yes, Firmino's what six and seven in the Premier League this year. He got five and twenty last year, but three of them came against Watford, wasn't it? The hat trick at Vicarage Road. He did have the sign last year where he was um, getting goals off the bench. Like, he scored at the San Siro, didn't he? And he was like, "Oh, he can be this impact sort of sub." Um, it's good that he's finding the finishing there as well, but it's still a bit of concern where we were in the situation yesterday where he was the only experienced attacking option off the bench. I- I'm with you there. It's- well, he's getting goals, but it's something lacking from the all-round game. And it's another sign of Liverpool being in transition. Like You're stuck in this phase where you either go for your experienced players that you've probably used a bit too much, or you have to turn to the younger ones who aren't quite there yet, like Elliot or Carvalho. We've seen that in recent weeks. Elliot Minfield did an admiral job, but he's not as good defensively as, like say, Henderson can do, or Carvalho showed glimpses, but then the two times he starts, he's been taken off at half-time because he's still very raw, adjusting to it. Um, so we're favouring more the experienced head of Firmino. So if he is playing, just keep scoring goals. Like Liverpool have to score four to win any game at this rate anyway, the way the defence is going. So he's given him the best chance he can. <laughs> yeah, it, it still doesn't feel likely to me that he gets a, a contract extension. But again, that goes back to the point of they've got a hell of a lot to do in 2023 in the transfer market. But anyway, let's stick to the positives. We'll move on to uh, the Rangers game. Obviously, 
Liverpool can put themselves in pretty good position. I don't think it's mathematically possible that they can progress, is it, Lynchy, in this game if they win? But if they do win and Napoli beat Ajax, I think that pretty much would confirm it. So I suppose it's one of those, if, if they can go to Rangers, put in a performance and win, at least the Champions League is going quite well for them. That's it. And you're, you're already in a position where, you know, Jürgen Klopp said it himself, Liverpool are not in a title race. So, you know, you've got to look, OK, where else can he squeeze some joy out of this season? And, and, and the Champions League is certainly going to be, you know, route to that because, you know, this looked like a tricky group as well. So, and and although they had that defeat in, in, in Naples first up, the, the way the fixtures have fallen is quite kind to them, really. And to, to have Rangers back to back, which is, you know, they, they look like they're going to take the wooden spoon in the group. That, that's that been quite handy, really, for Liverpool to get themselves in a, a really nice position in the group. Obviously, they've got to make the most of it. You know, the, the game against Rangers at Anfield was quite straightforward. If, you know, didn't look it in the scoreline, but in terms of the performance, Liverpool were absolutely all over them. But, you know, if, if if Rangers can make it tight again um, and, and have the, the the crowd there at Ibrox really cheering them on and making it difficult for Liverpool, then, you, you know, you slightly worry with where Liverpool's confidence is at, you know, whether Rangers could just nick one from a set piece or, you know, it, it wouldn't be out of the question that that could happen. So Liverpool really got to go there and, and be absolutely on it because, you know, like I said, that crowd could could have a big influence on that. We've seen we've seen that with the Anfield crowd when when Liverpool have welcomed sides who are better than they are to, to Anfield in the Champions League and turn them over. Um, and yeah, and, and it, it's just all the more important because the Premier League is just out the window at the moment. So Liverpool, you know, the hopes in terms of if they're going to have any trophy hopes late in the season, they need to get through this Champions League group. So this is a yeah really, really massive game. If they could do it as well, Theo, with you know a, a game or two to spare again, that is going to have a knock-on effect. We saw that last season with the rotation and, and all of that sort of thing. I mean, that would be, particularly with a few injuries and, and all the rest of it, that would be a real boost for Jurgen Klopp. It would as well, because it gives you the opportunity to try something else when things aren't quite clicking for you. You give more minutes to Carvalho as number 10 or Elliot or something in the front three and just seeing if they could find a way to transition into the, the Premier League and get a bit of form there. And with the European football as well, just just get through the group stages because at this rate, winning the Champions League is probably the best chance of getting into it next year. And like after the World Cup, you've had a chance to look at the January transfer market if you want to do anything. You've got more players back from injury. You've had the mid-season training camp. You're hoping they're in a better state. And then it's knockout football. And Liverpool, surely in a couple of games, Anfield European nights, they, they could stumble their way through as Real Madrid did last year to get to uh, the later stages of the competition. But yet you need to do the business in the group stages first to get through that. They can't take Rangers for granted at all. As Lynchy said, Rangers at Ibrox is going to be a very different prospect to Rangers at Anfield. Um, you'd be surprised if they went 5-4-1 against them and just were so left the striker so isolated. They've had a good European record over the last few years. They'll see this result, this performance from the weekend, and they'll feel a little bit confident so that they can uh, cause an upset. If they get an early goal, they know Liverpool will be rattled and they'll be there for the taking. So Liverpool have to start well and silence the Rangers crowd and make it count. And then if they do that, what well, you go to Amsterdam, you get a draw, you're through pretty much. Um, you might not be going for top spot, but at this point, it doesn't matter about top spot. That's how Liverpool fall in this year is just get through, get the finances from it, get into the knockout stages and go as far as you can. Because it is your, uh, I suppose, your consolation here it's your, your backup if the league does continue to fall apart that you can still get into the Champions League if you have a good European run The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo 
yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a much more difficult game than it was last week for Liverpool on Wednesday. So let's pick our team for that game. Theo, I'll start with you. Alisson will be in goal, but then probably one or two changes across the back four. Obviously, again, comes with the caveat that as we're recording this, we don't know the injury situations. We don't know about Trent. We don't know whether Robertson might be back. But as it stands right now, what would you be going with? Um, should we say we assume Trent won't be back? We'll assume Diaz won't be back. Robertson's behind um, Jones on the cover recovery, wasn't he? So he might be back in training, say, tomorrow, but they're not going to start him or anything. So that means Simicas has to keep his place. Um, and the other three, it's hard. I don't think Virgil van Dijk was great against Arsenal again. Like He was standing off too much at the opening goal. I'd be tempted to take him out and just see what a Matip-Kanate partnership looks like to give Kanate um, some minutes there. He was a bit rash when he came on against Arsenal, but at least he's got pace in that back four. And then it's probably going to be Gomez at right back. Personally, if Ramsey's trained enough, I'd like to see Ramsey start this one because it's against opponent he knows well. And just keep Gomez in um, at bubble wrap for the week because I don't want to see James Milner at right back against Man City. You just need to keep Gomez fit so he can play against them on Sunday at right back and keep Foden or whoever plays there quiet for that game. So... Um, yeah, I'm going to lean towards Ramsey, but I'd expect it to be Gomez. Yeah, I thought Calvin Ramsey might have played for the under-21s on Saturday, but wasn't in, involved in, in that one. Hasn't done a great deal of training, so we don't quite know where he's going to be. But uh, Lynch, is it is it similar for, for you, Conate coming in? Again, didn't think he was particularly brilliant against Arsenal, but not the easiest match to, to come into. This, this is probably one where he can sort of stamp his authority a little bit more. Yeah, I, th I think Klopp will be sort of desperate to get him in the team because I think he's just trying to find some solution from somewhere that something clicks, something changes things. So maybe Canate coming in with, you know, alongside, I don't think he'll drop Van Dyke to be honest. I think, you know, we'll try, maybe that partnership will be the one that solves all Liverpool's problems. And, and at right back, you know, with Ramsey, I, I wonder whether we'll, we'll sort of see him for a while yet. I just think because, because the situation is as it is, you don't really want to be throwing in a young player. Obviously, his fitness is not quite there anyway. So, you know, it's difficult to pick out a fixture where you think, OK, that would be a nice way to introduce him because he's not coming into the team that's doing well at all. So I think maybe Joe Gomez to start at right back and I think he'll keep his place in the City game, of course, if, if Trent doesn't make it. And then, yeah, Simicast at left back probably picks himself, you know, hopefully. Yeah, I think Simicast has done OK. Um, as, as the backup there but I think you know it will be quite nice to have Robertson back again to to get you slightly more back towards what you consider Liverpool's first team and anything you can get back in, in terms of when you're coming up against City will be a bonus but yeah Simicast in for this one Right into the midfield Dan I'll stick with you Lynchy give you the uh, the difficult decision of are you going with a two are you going with a three I think oh, God. I, I'll tell you mine first I'm going to go Fabinho and Henderson I don't want to risk Thiago ahead of City so I'm going to go for a 4-2-3-1, Fabinho and Henderson? I think I think because of the Diaz injury, I think he might just go back to the three. I, th I, I just think that's going to make his mind up. And, and plus, you know, it wasn't like the 4-2-3-1 was a roaring success at Arsenal either, was it? So I suppose that decision, you know, it's not like he's going to face criticism if he goes back to it. So I think, you know, as he just constantly tries to play this team back in some form, maybe just goes with... Henderson, Fabinho and, and Thiago maybe and, and you know hopefully with, with Thiago as you say you, you want to wrap him in cotton wool I'd agree with that it's you know it'd be even worse if he was to be out but I think you know just try and get that little unit working again and, and maybe with Thiago if you, if you a couple of goals up hopefully uh, around the hour mark then you can you can take him out for someone else that that would be the ideal situ situation I suppose. 
Theo, midfield for you? Um, it depends on Curtis Jones, really. Like We know he was back in training, so it depends how available he is. Like, if he's fit enough to start, I'd quite like to see him in, in a, a midfield three. And then he'd have Thiago drop for that. You'd have Fabinho back as the six. And you'd have Henderson on the right-hand side, maybe. But then you could take out either Henderson or Thiago. But like you said at the start, we don't really know yet. You haven't got point of his press conference until tomorrow. We won't see him train until tomorrow. And that's when we'll know how close those players are. If you stick with the two, um, if Fabinho's back in anyway. Fabinho needs to play. Um, if they're lacking this defensive solidity, put your actual number six in and see what you can do. Like You might be low on confidence and low on form this year, but it's a formation he knows well from his time with Monaco. And then I'd lean towards Thiago because it's Rangers. You still expect to have a lot of the ball, be able to pass it around him, and that suits him more than Henderson. Um, you think with the options available, it's, it's so hard. It just depends who's coming back because the, the, what we'd say was the first choice in midfield three still looks very slow and was the problem against Brighton. Um, but you just think Rangers, surely they've got enough in the locker to beat them. That's not really giving you an answer there, so it depends what you want to do formation-wise. I've given you one for each. I think with midfield, actually, maybe there's an option for... We haven't seen James Milner for a while to come back in to replace Henderson on the right-hand side of that three, just just as a rotational option, just to, you know, maybe a rest makes Henderson, you know, rediscover his form before the City game. You know, it's, it's a game where you'd expect Liverpool to dominate the ball, so, you know, you wouldn't have too many huge worries about runners off the back of James Milner, and that's been a problem for Henderson anyway, so... You know, maybe James Milner does come in on that right-hand side a little bit. I'm going to go for Harvey Elliott. I'm going to play him as a 10, but you can use my 11 either as a 4-3-3 with him on the right or you can play <laughs> him as a 10. So I'm going to go 4-2-3-1. Elliott as the 10, Salah and Jota either side and Darwin Nunez through the middle. I suppose that the front three, Lynch, is, is going to pick itself. There's, there's not too many of them fit. But, well, no, actually, Firmino, Firmino could come in for me. Yeah, but I think Nunez, let's, let's try and capitalise on the, the confidence boost of a goal. So, you know, he has in the last couple of games been been really good as well, um, just in his general all-round play. So try and keep that going against a team that he'd hope to get on the score sheet against. And yeah, Jota picks himself on the left-hand side and Salah, um, it, it, you know, what they've done with him this season is is not worked, let's say that. So, you know, try and get back to that traditional 4-3-3, him running in off Nunez and, and, and getting those runs on the inside, get him in goal-scoring positions. Let's see a bit more of that. Yeah, not not particularly work for him. Not particularly working for Diogo Jota either. 19 games it is now without a goal for him. I know he's he's got assists and, and that sort of thing, but I think if there's if there's one wish I've got for, for Wednesday, it's that Diogo Jota finally scores again. But uh, Theo, I assume Diogo Jota is, is in your 11. Who else is in that front line? Jota is. Um, Jota's on the left, Nunes up front. Uh, it, it depends if we're doing 2 3 1 or 3. Um, if it's 2 3 1, Carvalho is the number 10, and I'm dropping Mo Salah in either. I thought he was rubbish against Arsenal, he had that one run and shot. Um, if taking him off early and then benching him in the game doesn't give him a kick up the backside for Man City, nothing will. So let's see what Harvey Elliott looks like on the right. Like, it's a position he, he knows from at Fulham. Uh, knows from Blackburn, he scored goals in the championship, sort of on Rangers level, if we're being honest, if we're not doing too mean to him, just to see if he can be an absolute, an actual rotation option there and do something. He's got this relationship with Carvalho anyway, so in a 4-2-3-1 they could link up reasonably well. Otherwise, it's just, can you actually be the Salah understudy on the right-hand side? It's your best chance to go and get a goal or something in that position, because we all know Salah's going to start against Man City. So, yeah, go for the youth. 
it's not worked what we've been trying so far try something a bit different and hope for the best yes hope for the best indeed that might be the best way for, for liverpool to go this week generally but uh, <laughs> let's finish with our match predictions i'm going to go 2-0 to liverpool i'm going to be positive i'm going to say a clean sheet i'm going to say they actually score a goal first for once in a game Theo, score prediction uh, after the game last week i'd have been confident after yesterday i'm not i'll go 2-1 yeah 2-1 liverpool but i wouldn't be surprised if rangers got the early goal and managed to get a draw either are Liverpool going to score first, though? If, if they don't score first, do Liverpool get something? If they don't score first, they get a draw. If they score first, they win. Lynchy? Uh, I, I think, you know, you know, the degree to which Liverpool dominated Rangers last time, I just can't see beyond them winning here, even though confidence is shot. I mean, they still, you know, they still scored twice against Arsenal yesterday, let's not forget, and had periods where they, they did play some decent football at times. So it's not... You know, despite the tone of this podcast and my tone in general, it's it's not all <laughs> negative. I think you know, I think Liverpool should go there, and you know, no matter what team they win, I, th- I think they, they'll pick up at least a two 0 win. Yes, that's another great. reason why I've named such a youthful team, by the way, because like, it's not going to have any bearing on what happens against Man City. Yeah. Just play something else. Yeah, try something. <laughs> Fingers crossed it works. Hopefully, Liverpool put themselves in a good position to get through in the Champions League group, and we can have a chat about that on Friday's Blood Red podcast. But I think for now, that will do us. I've been Matt Addison. Thanks to David Lynch and Theo Squires for joining me. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.